Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. I was very interested to learn that this extraordinary group, Not One More Vet, also called NOMV, of which I am very honored and excited to now be on the advisory committee, is having a gala in Boston in the fall to celebrate all of the great work that they've been doing over what is a pretty short lifespan of a group that's there to make sure that not one more vet dies by suicide or is in emotional distress. So Brie Golob, it is wonderful to have you here. I know you're the director of programs. So is this the first really big one that you've had to hit out of the park? Um, actually, this is our sec- or technically our third in person our gala. Uh, the first one was completely hybrid during COVID, and so uh, we kind of just did it from the comfort of my guest bedroom. Uh, this past year, we actually were in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and so we did a live stream of the event from Santa Fe, and then it went so well that we were really excited to go ahead and expand a bit further. Um, and have an even bigger live presence in Boston this year. So this will actually be our third gala, second in person. Second in person. So the one that you did in New Mexico, people came, but those who couldn't come could participate online. Correct. Yeah, we live streamed it via, I think, Zoom, maybe Facebook, etc. So in other words, you ha- did somebody have to buy a ticket in order to see it live streamed? 
Yes. So the tickets are a reduced price for those that are interested in the live stream. And then they're a little bit more expensive for those that are attending in person to cover the food and our amazing speaker that this year we're going to be hosting. So I'll let you uh, lead me there. (laughs) Well, great. I mean, of course, it's got to be more money if they're going to, you know, if you guys are going to feed people that it's not like the chips and salsa that people are eating at home while they're watching. Although there's people that have gotten (laughs) so used to chips and salsa on their couch instead of the real world. It's worrisome. We've all got to make a little effort to get out there. What is the intention of the gala? Is it to celebrate the people working within the organization and within the veterinary community who are helped by it, or is it to let the outside world know more about the strains and stresses on the veterinary community and have people become more compassionate? Yeah, it's actually a little bit of both. So um, one of the segments that we do is our award ceremony. So during that ceremony, we celebrate all the hard work of our volunteers, our supporters, our sponsors, etc. And that piece is more so for folks that are kind of in the the organization involved in some way. Um, But we also have the opportunity and we really look at it as an opportunity to branch out and meet new individuals that are potentially connected to our mission that aren't already familiar with our organization and share a little bit more about what it's like to be a veterinary professional and kind of why there's some mental health challenges inherent in being a veterinary professional and how, whether you're a pet parent or you're a um, veterinary professional, you have the ability to go in and kind of um, offer support. Or if you are a veterinary professional, you're able to seek support if you need it. And I, I, it hadn't occurred to me before, but I'm thinking about it. it. This is your full job. I mean, you're not a volunteer who, you know, your day job is a vet tech or a, a, an x-ray technician or an oncologist, right, a veterinary oncologist. But you seem, I think for a lot of jobs like you have, people are younger. And so I'm suddenly thinking, how do you, how does the organization reach that younger generation that might be thinking of becoming a veterinarian or in veterinary school. Is that a a goal of NOMV with the gala or just with the organization to reach people before they get to an emotional crisis point? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I also happen to be a mental health professional as well. And so, um, yeah, so what I kind of really like to lean into is uh, the preventative Side of things, it's so much easier and it's actually cheaper to go ahead yes. and invest in the prevention than it is to, uh, you know, help somebody in a crisis. We're not able to help as many people in a crisis situation because of the demand for resources. And so, um, one of the programs that we have at the moment is our student support and mentorship program. Um, and that's geared technically towards current veterinary students as well as veterinary technician students. Um, but kind of the philosophy that shows up time and time again is um, that we want an eyes wide open approach. We, we know that there's some inherent struggles and challenges of the industry. um, But, you know, there's tools and there's coping strategies and there's things that if you learn them early on and you use those to protect yourself and set up some really healthy boundaries, um, you can be successful in this field and you can, um, thrive even in the field, but if you don't know what you're getting yourself into, um, 
then that's kind of when we tend to see some some challenges and we kind of have to flip over into more of our crisis programming rather than our preventative programming. That that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking that it, there used to be, I think the number was when I first started to research the dog and cat world, maybe there were 26 or 28 vet colleges. There are more than that now, right? I mean, there's there's more coming along because we had a not enough vets and therefore too much pressure on the ones who were out there. But also there was a thinking, I'm going to say 20 years ago, I'm just coming up with a, a number, Brie, that that there was a belief that, that the number of vets should be limited so that the ones out there could either make a good living or have a robust clientele or something. And we've gone way past that. Now we just need more veterinarians, please. But with with a limited number of schools, it's not like hundreds of human medical colleges are you able to have a presence, a club, or something like that on a campus, or is that too unwieldy as a way to reach out to the students so they don't have to only be the students who are aware, God, I think I'm I'm feeling overwhelmed. It could sort of be there to say, we know it's overwhelming for everybody, so let's look out for each other. Yeah, absolutely. So our um, student support and mentorship program Um, This year, so 2023, we are actually in the process right now of launching student chapters. Um, So, And we're not restricted to just within the United States. So we're an international organization. We support, yeah. So we support veterinary professionals all around the world. So we currently have, um, I think, about three chapters that are in their early launching phase within the U.S. And then we have a couple over in the U.K. and um, I think we have one or two up in Canada as well. So we've got a really wide reach, and we definitely are looking to have more involvement um, in that preventative space for our students. That sounds like if somebody listening has a vet student in their life or a graduate vet student in their life, it might be a great opportunity to do something really lasting and I hate the word impactful people because it's not really a word, but since everyone likes to use it, something that has long-lasting impact, not just for students in a veterinary school today, but those in the years going forward and maybe reduce the amount of mental uh, challenges and misery that, that seem to have be quietly and secretly until NOMV came along, be occurring kind of in the shadows. I... I think it would it can't be that complicated to start a club or a group on campus. People seem to have it about everything, right? You can have it for bridge or chess or probably pickleball. So I I can't <laughs> imagine it's that hard to have one that is it called not one more vet when it's on a veterinary campus or does that sound a little too kind of scary for a student? Um, so we actually call ourselves Nambi. So it'll be Nambi and then it'll be whatever that group of students calls their program. So for the most part, we anticipate it being, you know, a NAMVI Lincoln Memorial University or something like that. But depending on the legalities of that, we will absolutely have to be flexible. Um, But yeah, from there, we have what we're calling a chapter in a box. And so we have a bunch of resources to help students navigate the process of whatever the bureaucracy of their particular institution is. And part of that program is actually having um, some local 
uh, alumni, ideally, but if not alumni, local veterinary uh, professionals that have gone through a similar program that can kind of serve as a mentor for that particular university when they either struggle with their club because something's not going the way that they hoped it would, or, um, you know, they're just struggling in general about what it's like to be both a veterinarian as well as a veterinary student. So, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of opportunities uh, there. And, you know, I, I definitely hear that legacy isn't your favorite word, or not legacy, legacy is where I was going. Impactful isn't your favorite word, but I think this is a great <laughs> opportunity to leave behind a legacy. Instead. Yes, absolutely, and reduce that those issues over time by recognizing them. I somehow have been thinking about veterinarians being a bit like people in the military in terms of not wanting to acknowledge PTSD, going back to World War One when it was called shell shock. All of these emotional issues that you're supposed to be brave and strong and not acknowledge that you feel a bunch of, if you will, negative emotional words and that you're supposed to be tough. And if you're going to be a vet or a vet tech, I mean, it's just like, you know, pull yourself up, chin up, be fine. you'll be fine. And it's been like that in the military until those kind of barriers to acknowledgement have come down. And I think what Namvi is doing is fantastic. So the gala is a celebration. And it's a celebration of not one more vet, meaning lost by suicide, which is a pretty disturbing and distressing idea. And yet it's a gala to celebrate that we're saying this is all avoidable. It's preventable. We, we're there for each other. Is that is that true? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, unfortunately, at this moment, we haven't uh, succeeded in our mission of having not one more veterinary professional die by suicide. Um, however, you know, every single day we turn towards our programs to do everything that we can to make it so that this number that um, is unfortunately higher than a lot of other professionals and um industries yep uh we want we want to see that get lowered first so eventually we'd love to see it you know be not one more vet and we achieve that um but in the interim you know we want to see that number go down and all of the programming that we do and that we're there to celebrate at um the gala is just one more opportunity for us to get slightly closer to that goal which makes a lot of sense. You said there were some really good speakers. Do you already have them <laughs> lined up or they're they're going to be kept a secret until the very end? <laughs> well, um, some of them are still secretive in the sense that they haven't officially been uh, figured out yet. Okay. But um, our keynote speaker is very much uh, figured out and uh, well-known. And we are so excited um, to kind of share that with as many people as we can. So the secret is uh, not such a secret, but we will have Dr. Temple Grandin who will be speaking. Wow. Our, Isn't you know, that great? Isn't yeah, that wonderful? Really Temple Grandin has <laughs> worked so hard on behalf of animals and their emotional states. I mean, the whole idea of fear free really began with her. That's fantastic. Um, that That's a really wonderful person to have as a speaker and to speak to mental challenges in general, which is something she's been very open about throughout her career, a, a pretty much of a flag bearer for for issues that that have never been really discussed openly before her. That's that's great. When when people want to get tickets, Bree, 
Do they go to nomv.org and they'll see the gala on the website and they can get tickets that way for Boston? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to our homepage, there's a couple buttons that say gala. You can also go to nomv.org backslash gala and it'll bring you to our webpage that kind of highlights the entire program. Um, so whichever is the easiest way, and I can certainly get you a link if you want to include that in uh, the you know, show notes, we would be happy to get that to you and make sure that anybody who's interested in listening can come on down to our gala, learn about the organization, and definitely hear from the wonderful and amazing uh, Dr. Temple Grandin. And others to be added as, as time goes yeah. on. I think it's a great opportunity for the veterinary community to come together and those of us that are served by the veterinary community. So I'm going to guess there's going to be quite a lot of possibly even retired veterinarians coming to learn about something that didn't exist in their day. And they're probably jealous, if you will, and grateful <laughs> that you're there now for this next generation of veterinarians that are in the trenches, in the fields, in the exam rooms, in the operating rooms doing everything they can for our pets, and we have to make sure we do everything we can for them. So I'm sorry, I personally can't be at the gala, but I'm there in spirit, and I don't know. We'll figure out if there's raffles. We can raffle off the dog Bible and the cat Bible, or I don't know, tickets to the the dog and cat film festivals when they come around. I'll try and send whatever I can in place of myself. Dr. Briegal, you aren't a doctor. Just Briegalab. Thank you for being here. Thanks for the great work that you're doing with NOMV. And uh, I look forward to hearing more about it in the in the weeks ahead. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. And uh, we, we're sorry that you won't be able to make it in person, but we hope anybody who's available on October 7th uh, meets us in Boston and learns a little bit more. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human-edible, ethically-sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative Dog Chew No Hide and the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat.